Hello, and welcome to our second or third time to start up this podcast, because I fucked up the first two times. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, welcome to Deadpool It Yourself. Uh, I am uh, the senseless apprentice, and really, uh, you know, as part of my intro, I just wish people more people viewed critical reporting on comic books with the same distrust that they give to partisan political coverage. I mean, come on. <laughs> Do you really think that you're getting a fair and balanced view when it comes to the critics? They don't shit where they eat, people. Um, <laughs> anyway, with me today is the cannonballs to my siren. Wait a minute. Ah, fuck it. Mr. Verano. Hey, 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 hey. Wait, what do you mean cannonballs to your siren? Uh, you'll see. It's in the it's in the storyline for today. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm a tall, pale, blonde guy. Thanks. Hey, cannonballs. <laughs> hey, cannonball- so much better. They gave Negasan a teenage warhead his powers in Deadpool. <laughs> I'd rather be that emotional little wreck than the other one. Yeah, but in the comics, she's just a vaguely telepathic person who had a cool enough name that they were like, ah, fuck it, let's throw her in a movie. But we don't have any application for her powers. Ah, fuck it, let's give her cannonballs. She made it look cool. <laughs> I'm not the. I, I like Brianna Hildebrand's uh, uh, Megasonic Teenage Warhead just fine, but I mean, I'm not hiding from the fact that she's basically cannonball with you know girl parts. <laughs> All right, and our other host joining us is our refugee from the Age of Apocalypse. Again, we're referencing things that'll happen later. Uh, Mini agent of Mister Sinister. Hey, 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 what's going on, guys? Um, so don't say that all too loudly. I, I'm kind of on the lam from him. Uh, I stole one of his posters. Maybe it was a poster. It was just a really big picture of him with a baby cable. I thought it was hilarious, but I wanted it for myself. And I think he's kind of bad. <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to look out for anybody who looks remotely like you because he's very much into cloning. <laughs> yes. So, are probably I, look like you. <laughs> I think I thought I saw you 20 minutes ago. It no, might that wasn't been. me. Shit, that might have been him. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I might have exposed you. My bad, Minnie. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's been... Uh... It's been an interesting week, comic book-wise. WandaVision was released. We won't spoil much. Color. Huh? The only spoiler I'll give, they gave color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be more and more in, you know, they're, they're following sitcom tropes, which I like. But, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. I just, you know, coming off of Wonder Woman 84 where people are like, oh yeah, that was shit. And then this one is excellent. And it's like, no, they're all comic book stuff. So, right. excellent. If you didn't like Wonder Woman, eh, it wasn't made for you. Right. They made I watched that. I haven't. <clears throat> it was... I can understand why people don't like it, but it's that same thing where, like, if you're a DC Comics reader, uh, you'll probably at least think of it as, hey, this is, you know, standard DC Comics fair. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the, the, none of these... Very yeah. Tay, you know? They're not, none, of them are, none of them are super. They're just, you know comic book stuff they're fun to watch yeah 
and I didn't watch it yet. Uh, shame on me. But a buddy of mine was watching it and said something about like he got confused and him, his, him and his wife got confused at some of the powers that they're showing Wonder Woman have. And I was like, need I remind you that Wonder, Wonder Woman used to have telepathic powers with or without her lasso. <laughs> she the, could the, fly. So the, the thing about Wonder Woman is like she's been different things at different times, depending on how they want to write her backstory. Like at right, one point, right had no powers and could deflect bullets with her wrist bracelets. Right. And now she's the fucking daughter of Zeus, who basically is a demigod. Like, right. The Hercules who, right. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, there's, there's storylines where she was absolutely impervious to bullets, like Superman was. Just like a yeah. slightly less powered Superman. Could still fly. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about DC Comics is they have so much history to, to, to pull from that they just kind of mix and match and, you know, fuck it. Yeah. If you, it you enjoy it. If you don't, uh, maybe you should stop giving them your money. Right. And really, it's, I mean, it's all kosher, you know? <laughs> it's, all yeah. kind of, it's all kind of canon. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, see, that's where Marvel sets aside its, you know, 5,000 different universes. Yeah, Marvel was always the one that was more like, we have to stick to canon. We have to make the storyline as coherent as possible. DC has always been more like, let's write whatever the fuck we want. Whatever's the most popular is we're wrong with. what we'll stick with. Right, yeah. You know, like the, <laughs> the, 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 the most consequential story in Batman uh, mythos for a while was The Killing Joke. That was written as an Elseworlds at first. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like written as canon until people were like, man, that was really good. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Barbara Gordon's uh, paralyzed now. Right. Like, oh, fuck, that was canon? Right. <laughs> he takes what's popular and adapts yeah. it. Marvel's and there's like, nothing wrong with that, you know? I mean, whatever works, works. And it's like, there's no right or wrong way to write comics, you know? Like, you write it the way you want to write it, and then whoever your audience is and sticks to your audience, then boom, there you go. (laughs) But that's why we're like, when people are like, oh, I didn't like Harley Quinn. It's like, well, it probably wasn't made for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Not everybody like every character for so much DC. I really despise Superman and Batman. (laughs) I'm I'm more of give me anybody else. Like literally I'll read. Cyborg, Swim. Aquaman, Green Lantern, I don't Joe know. <laughs> yeah, Teen Titans. I'll read any of them. And there's like, yeah. who do Superman? Like, fuck Superman. <laughs> Superman, I'm tired of it. He, he's overpowered. He's not stupid. And he's he's loved by everybody. I'm tired mm-hmm. of that. I'd rather you give me a dumb superhero like Goku. He's overpowered. He's stupid. And you still <laughs> The only difference is one's stupid and one isn't. Yo, if you want to see Superman as OP, but like not good, not loved by everybody, Injustice is a badass comic. Like, yeah. I, I the- think I have that one, or I had a couple of that series. Oh my gosh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Plastic it is. Plastic Man's son are hilarious. And Red Sun, Red Sun's dope too. It is. Oh, it's good. As much as I love seeing Superman as a commie, you know. (laughs) But the thing is, like, Superman really didn't change, though, if you really thought about it. Like, when you, like, read through it, you know, he's a commie, yeah. But then he, like, kind of, like, evens back out to just being Superman. Well, all about the... (laughs) Like, it's all his sense of justice and everything else is kind of, like, still, in a sense, just him. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're not here for them. <laughs> so to do to do some recaps of what we've gone over so far. Right. We're, we're, you know, getting into uh, Cable and Deadpool issue 15, Enema of the State part one, Killer Clown. <laughs> and they're all, the, the, the clowns are only in like the first panels, but you know what, fuck it. Um, it's written by Fabian Nicesa, penciled by Patrick Zercher. Inks are done by Meth, colors by Gotham, letters by Corey Pettit, and the color cover art, which I love the cover. It's a uh, Deadpool with two with two sigh, and he he's just creeping through or wading through a just sea of dead clowns. Yeah. <laughs> not gonna lie, those clowns scare the crap out of me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a fan of clowns, and the way they draw them, I'm like, oh, thank God. At least, you know, in the cover, too, at least Deadpool is not, you know, at least he's nice enough not to pop the balloons, right? They go just piss off more and he has a reason to kill him more. Right. What? So that, that cover is drawn by Patrick Zercher, Meth, and Paul Mounts. And uh, so the recap. Now, if you want a more comprehensive recap, our last episode uh, really has a, a, a uh, comprehensive recap from the start of the Cable and Deadpool series. So you can go back to episode 11 and listen to that. Um, I tell you, the, oh, wait, I can tell you the name of it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> episode 11, uh, back to the character development, um, has a more comprehensive recap. But right now we're just, you know, recapping from our most recent storyline. So in our most recent storyline, which was a murder in paradise, the world's most wanted terrorist, Haji Bin Barat, has been found dead in his room on the island of Providence. Cable's experiment in utopianism, made out of the assembled parts of his old spaceship, ship, that once belonged to Apocalypse himself. Deadpool offered his services as a detective, although, you know, I don't know how good that is. But due to unpredictable nature, those involved with running the day-to-day operations of the in, of the island conspire to keep him distracted, which did technically work. <laughs> they solved the case. <laughs> Cable, the supposed chief executive of the island, couldn't be bothered with all that shit because he was about to embark on a mission that happened in some X Force mini- miniseries. Uh, the fallout from which forms the basis of our current story that we're going into. And at around the same time, Deadpool and the people actually investigating the murder figure out who on the Providence is the only person who could have climbed up the side of the building, broken into Haji Bin Barat's room, crossed the room in only two leaping steps, and snapped his neck with only one hand. Deadpool himself. When the island's automated defensive locate Deadpool, he finds himself face-to-face with the officer in charge to bring him in, Presser John. And I do say a shitty version and a kind of knockoff stand-in of Thor. <laughs> Fairly important to the story. And it's his defining moment of the whole series. You know, safe to say. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of the series, he just kind of sh- shifts off to the side. Amazingly, during the fight, uh, Deadpool is the one who gives a damn about protecting the innocent bystanders to the violence of John's Stellar Rod. It's a god. It's a golden mace that shoots bluish white energy at John's enemy. Oh, 
Okay, maybe it is probably an ad- allegory to what you think it is. You sick fucks. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> Eventually, Cable steps into the end, uh, into end the fight with his ridiculous-looking guns and all of his glory, since he now only <laughs> barely has any semblance of his mutant power. Yeah, one more. Oh, did he crack out? All right. After Professor John stands down and walks away, Cable turns his attention to Deadpool. And tells him he has been voted off the island. In the epilogue, Deadpool tracks down the information broker, known as a black box, hoping that he will be able to find knowledge of something that Deadpool has not been able to track down himself. How How kill Deadpool? (laughs) So... Uh, we'll start with the oddly the narrators on the recap page of the current issue, which are two of Black Box's think links. They're basically just uh, think the men in black, but not as interesting. Um, why are they there? <laughs> literally, <laughs> just to tell what's going on or to observe and transmit information back to Black Box or something like that. Um, they downplay the information that Deadpool was seeking in the last issue. So, in here. They just make it seem like he was just, you know, he wanted information and that's it. They don't specify what he wanted information about. Um, But it's probably because over the next few pages, it kind of becomes clear that Black Box either isn't able or simply isn't going to honor Wade's request. Um, And they tell the reader that Deadpool needed help to cure his fractured mind, which is not what he wanted. He wanted, he said, I want to know how to kill me, Mm -hmm. you know? The recap page for this issue is not as good as the Deadpool ones. You know, the Deadpool ones are funny. This one's kind of like damage control. Yeah. You know, because they matter of fact. <laughs> you know, and um, and that's the thing. Um, on the other hand, is is there is an interpretation. We'll we'll talk about it after we get into it. Um, but there is an interpretation that, in a way, he was trying to. Uh, misguidedly follow through with what Deadpool wanted because he sends him after what he thinks is the biggest threat to humanity. So maybe he was like, I'll send him against something completely OP and they'll fucking destroy him. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. But the issue itself begins with a beautiful splash page of Deadpool slaughtering clowns and loving it. <laughs> Do I like clowns to be dead. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a it's a comic, so they were PG-13, and he goes, die, you fucking clowns, but with, you know, the, the fucking all wingding symbols instead. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's revealed that this is just in his mind. Physically, he's naked in a tank of green liquid in Black Box's lab. Um, <laughs> Black Box himself is watching the clown-killing events going on in Wade's mind on monitors. So, like, He's literally got some kind of psychic monitors that can read what le- what Wade is thinking as he's, you know, asleep in this liquid vat. <laughs> right. Just watching him kill clowns. Um, he notes that Deadpool skills are off the charts, quote unquote. And he should know because he has, quote, charted them all. Right. <laughs> While Wade is under, Black Box and his lackeys conspire to brainwash him. And over the course of days, uh, it's implied. They continue. They, uh, they they condition Deadpool to eliminate the greatest threat to mankind, superhumans. <laughs> so, and it's like they finally convince him of superhumans. He kind of thinks about it for a second, and then 
Black Box just goes, go and eliminate the greatest threat to mankind. And Deadpool goes, body slide by one. <laughs> because, like, it's, it's really, you know, he body slides by one, but when he arrives on Providence, he isn't a tangled knot of dead cable pool tied at the torso, which, you know, kind of foreshadows the rest of the issue because we're not going to see Black Box again. But it's interesting that, you know, for the last few storylines, every time Cable and Deadpool body slide, if they don't right. stay by two, then they become one person joined at the torso that has to rip themselves apart bloodily and then heal. Right. You know, there's some hints that they're not going to he's not going to be able to find Cable. Uh, so Deadpool arrives on Providence seeking to eliminate whichever superhuman he sees as the greatest threat to mankind. Where's Cable? He's not here, Wilson. And you know you shouldn't be either. And you shouldn't be allowed to break Hank Aaron's record either, you balco bloated baboon. Professor John is a time-traveling wannabe, world conqueror, who came to Providence, like everyone else here, to figure out a new way to do things. Cable justifiably cast you from this island haven for the murder of Haji bin Barat. You are not wanted here. Got that, Pete. Because I'm not wanted anywhere. Never stop me from peeing on the carpets. He's a clown. I hate clowns. Second biggest threat to mankind. <laughs> Which is real. <laughs> I mean, it is true. Prester, you can tell from all of our great love for him that Prester John is quite the clown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's just like Verano's got it right. Total Thor stand in, not as good. Yeah. No. No. And I didn't think you could ruin Thor in that manner, and you have. Well, I, I mean, really, if you're going to have a Thor stand in. Beta Ray Bill is so much better anyway. Oh, yeah. 100%. How are you going to give him a weapon and call it Stellar Rod? <laughs> it's like one of those mod skins on a video game, you know. <laughs> Who uses the word "stellar"? Well, that, it's like a word that shouldn't be in the dictionary. It's just sad. <laughs> Rod is funny. You always are going to use that one, but "stellar" just sounds stupid. But "stellar" before Rod just makes it so much better. <laughs> well, and not only that, but the the energy is this bluish white stuff that shoots out of the rod it's just like oh yeah oh, i finally get why they use this shitty character in this comic it's yeah a big... <laughs> yeah that's true am i allowed to say bukake on this podcast i don't know <laughs> but that might be a step too far <laughs> we'll edit this up <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going through <laughs> the, the the rematch is interrupted by vibratory waves that shake and shatter the glasses on the table as Deadpool is pleased to see the member of X-Force that he kind of had a thing with in his classic series, Siren. He, he really did. There's a, there's hints to him having had a relationship with Siren at certain points. Mm. Um, Who almost had a relationship where has had? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> Well, he's implied. I think now he's uh, he's an admitted pansexual. So like all the little jokes he makes about like you know, cable and this one kind of have other ulterior things in them as well. Right. <laughs> um, for those of you who are uninitiated, Teresa Cassidy is the daughter of the X Men Banshee. Uh, she is a screamer, just like her father, 
And uh, in terms of power, her sonic scream is more powerful than the DC character Black Canary, since she and her father can use theirs to fly. Right, while the Canary sense. cannot. They can literally like scream themselves into flight. Apparently, um, but it's weaker than Black Bolt, isn't it? That's what, yeah. That's what I was, was going to say. say kind of like Black Bolt. Black, yeah, Black Bolt shattered the hell out of everything. Yeah, Black Bolt like a whisper destroys a mountain. Right, like, which is why he never talks. Exactly. Yeah. So like she can use it to to like fly. Black Bolt couldn't use it to fly, you know. I mean, like he might be able to if he doesn't open his mouth. If he just you know does that whole tuning fork in his head thing, maybe. Right. <laughs> I don't know enough about the Inhumans. I only watched that show and I never read any comics. Yeah, didn't really. Matter. And to those of you who didn't watch the Inhuman show, you didn't miss a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just gave you a snippet, so. <laughs> um, with her is Sam Guthrie, a.k.a. Yeah. A mutant who can fly by blasting himself forward and is, and this is just his word from when uh, he was in the New Mutants, nigh invulnerable while he's blasting. It's the best, dude. I'm telling you. I love Sam Guthrie so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his his power is, is, is pretty well. He's basically literally a cannonball. Like, if he shoots... You can't break him. He's just going to burst through things. Right. And he can fly. <laughs> um, they explained to Deadpool that Cable has been missing, which was hinted by his not being tangled in Deadpool's body slide uh, since X-Force fought the Scorn four days before. And they give it that, that time period. They say four days ago. Right. Um, uh, I'm trying to... I can take over real quick. Uh, as Irene, Teresa, and Sam discuss the disappearance of Deadpool, he reminds them that the body slide connections, and they put Deadpool in a vaguely techie-looking harness rig, suspended from the air under a green column of light that is oddly reminiscent to the tank that Deadpool was in this, to start this issue. Yeah, like it's it's literally like they're like, oh, I mean, I I can't even really describe the harness. It it doesn't look like it does anything at all. And yet, it's supposed to do a whole bunch of stuff. Right. right. <laughs> to such an extent that, like, on the next page, for, like, it, it's literally just there for the, for the, uh, in joke where, um, Irene says, I, never mind. Listen, Wade, we brought in a specialist. And Wade goes, Is he a urinary track guy? And Forge goes, No. Yeah. I've been calling. <laughs> but, like, that's literally all Forge is there for. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> he does a little bit of explanation and then nothing. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's a. For those of you who know Forge, he's a technopath, and he tries to explain what he set up to track Cable to Deadpool. But after Deadpool hears that he'll get closer to Cable's location every time he body slides, he just fucking teleports out, just like he did in the beginning of the comic. Right. <laughs> oh, cool. If I body slide, I'll get to Cable. Body slide. <laughs> he's gone. Um, he's gone before Forge can even fully explain the situation. So, in order to find Cable in anywhere he might be, Forge has equipped this harness with, and this is you know comic book science. You know, it has nothing to do with actual science. He he uh, the harness has interspatial fluctuators, which allow Deadpool to possibly find Cable anywhere in the six one six universe, and intraspatial fluctuators, which allow Deadpool to possibly find Cable anywhere in alternate universes in other words if cable's somewhere deadpool can find him Bye -bye. yep magnets <laughs> yeah 
Cable magnets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the first place Deadpool ends up is an age of apocalypse. Although it is made clear in the in the narration right in the part that it's not the age of apocalypse that you know. Um, you know, there was that '90s X, the, that massive '90s X-Men crossover in the Age of Apocalypse. There was a sequel miniseries from about ten years later, uh, where you know Sinister comes back and the Magneto, the hero Magneto, is turned into a villain again because you know, <laughs> fuck Magneto, uh, apparently. And then uh, you know, there's also later on when they said, "Hey, people really like that Age of Aco- Apocalypse stuff. Let's beat the fuck out of that dead horse." Uh, and they. Um, they 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 have a series set in the same universe where Wolverine becomes the next apocalypse because the original was killed and the original crossover and apparently someone has to be an apocalypse because the celestial said so or else they'll destroy the earth and so Wolverine does it and you know right. it's a better <laughs> choice <laughs> I mean it I read the whole series up to a point and it was you know, yeah, meh. Okay, <laughs> it, was, it was literally like I mean, I, I wasn't exaggerating. It was literally, literally like they were like, "Hey, people, we like that age of apocalypse right. stuff. Let's go back there and totally ruin it." Oh, that's a shame. Because <laughs> like the Wolverine there was badass. Like he didn't give a fuck about being on the team and stuff like that. But he was still like, you know, had that Wolverine mystique. And then they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna take the character that you all love for like being so willing to." S- to sacrifice it all to save the world and we're going to make him uh, literally sacrifice his humanity to save the world kind of by being the right. baddest guy <laughs> the okay and then they bring like it back yet again for the uh, you know another time in the cinematic universe <laughs> that one was that, that movie was yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could be here for a full episode about that movie <laughs> so uh Forge tells Siren and Cannonball instead of Deadpool that they will follow wherever Deadpool, wherever he body slides, but they're on a three minute delay, you know, giving Deadpool uh, enough time to, you know, really get himself into some shit if he tries. So Deadpool thinks is sitting there thinking about the similarities between Nate's plan from the burnt offering, uh, you know, to, to have himself be uh, the ultimate bad guy that people have to step up to, to defeat. And then in essence, by defeating him, lead themselves to a better world and he compares that to the way that apocalypse rules his world and says it's you know flip sides of the same coin nate had a benevolent plan to be sort of the um the unifying thing that causes the world to destroy him but in 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 the end be better for the world apocalypse just said you know survival of the fittest fuck it right i rule with an iron fist so uh, but he, he thinks about that but he's interrupted by three of the four horsemen of apocalypse, pestilence, famine, and death. So in this world, Archangel is predictably the horseman of death, and he seems to be the leader of the other two, but the other two are pretty interesting. Um, Blob of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants (laughs) is famine because he eats all the food himself so no one else gets a chance (laughs) to eat. Best friend dish of famine I could ever have thought of. That is incredible. Right, <laughs> and then um, the the uh, pestilence is a four armed and right. four legged Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, he looks cool as hell, but I'm so glad that Deadpool and Cannonball and Siren get to fight a Spider Man because 
he is serious. Like everyone else in the world seems to love Spider Man. To me, I don't give a fuck. He is one of my least favorite characters. See, Spider Man to you mm. is Superman to me. <laughs> exactly. Except yeah. I'm not Superman either. <laughs> I'm a Spider Man fan on whichever Spider Man yeah. almost. <laughs> I mean, I do like some Spider-Man, Spider-Man characters. Like, I think Miles oh yeah, Mar- that's probably Miles the best, most interesting Spider-Man. More... Yeah, and uh, Spider Gwen, Spider Gwen's pretty yeah. cool. I like Gwen. I think she's um... so. There's, there's, there's definitely cool yeah. characters in the Spider-Man I like, stuff. I, I like just Spider Ham. Huh? Mm-hmm. I like Spider Ham also. <laughs> I just couldn't give a shit about the six one six Peter Parker. Yeah. Except- Except for one more day, that's a badass storyline because I, but more because of why Mephisto wants, uh, wants the marriage to Mary Jane, yeah. not necessarily like the you know, Peter Parker part of it, but like, you know, they're trying to get to spoil an old 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 storyline. They're trying to get uh, Spider Man's identity because yep. he revealed it in Civil War, and they're mm-hmm. trying to, uh, not revealed because people are threatening his family and loved ones. And so he goes to Mephisto and he's like, so what? I sell my soul to you and you'll re- remove my uh, my identity from the world? And yeah. Mephisto's like, your soul? Right. What the fuck do I want your soul for? Like, I want something that's going to really twist and like really, really cause some despair that I can Your hot, red-headed wife, your, yeah. <laughs> I want your marriage. Yeah. And then, but the thing is, like, I, and I don't know if they've kept with this because, again, I don't give a fuck about Peter Parker, so I haven't read subsequent stories. I just that one was suggested to me by an old roommate. And so I borrowed their book and read it. Um, but it was really cool. Like they were right. It was really cool the way it was just like, at that point, Peter had no re- recollection of the marriage, but Mephisto made sure that yeah. Mary Jane. Yeah. Did. It was, it was a really, it was a really good one. And it was just, like, <laughs> yeah. And it was the same as like in house of M where in house of M, you know the uh, Scarlet Witch gives everybody what they everybody who came to get her in the beginning what they wanted, and what Peter wanted was to have his the, mm-hmm. the lost loved ones back. And so when he gets his memories back of the six one six, and uh, he sees what's going on with Mary Jane, he's like, "There's a part where Luke Cage is talking to him, and he's really despondent, and he goes, just because she's famous now, and he goes, it doesn't mean that if you weren't married." And Peter goes. But we aren't, right? And she is, and it's like the same thing in in, in one more day where like Peter, uh, Mary Jane gets all the things that she wanted. She's famous. She's a famous actress, but she knows what she lost, and yeah. that's what Mephisto feeds off of. Yeah, it, uh, it's great. So <laughs> I feel like you love uh, Spider Man not for Spider Man, really? but only for his entire supporting cast, which I'm not against. The supporting cast is great. <laughs> Right, it's so well written, except for that fucking main. <laughs> um. So anyway, we, we we got off on a tangent. Back to the main story. Uh, Deadpool cuts through Death's wings first using a sword he apparently took from Cable while he was on Providence. Uh, however, pestilence and famine have uh make short work of Deadpool, and are prepared to bring him to the master. Like they literally like. They, they push him around, they beat him around. Peter Parker with the eight arms has wrapped him in a bunch of webbing and uh, Famine just like hits him like a baseball with a with a, uh, his, right. his huge fucking hammer. 
And then Pestilence's spider senses tingle and Siren and Cannonball save Deadpool from his fate and they hide in an alley to regroup. Uh, they're starting to understand the situation, being that they're on some age of apocalypse and they've run into three of the four horsemen when um, they, they, when Deadpool realizes that death had introduced the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but they'd only fought those three. At that moment, the group is enveloped by energy as the horsemen of war. Uh, <laughs> though Deadpool had been hoping, after being hit by famine, that uh, this was the horsemen of either Codeine <laughs> or Six Days of Sleep. <laughs> but it's Cable, and he is covered with the techno-organics all over his body except his head. Uh, it's really hard to describe what he looks like here. Um but I guess the best way I can describe it is uh, he looks like a cross between Iron Man, the Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and some kind of Mega uh, Man Specifically, X probably Mega Man X1 uh, with uh, Sigma and all his tentacle glory. Now, that might be a, what, X2? Whichever one that was, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. And he's just got all this energy around him and, uh, you know that reveal just that they're coming up against a mad powerful cable who is the horseman of death or, or sorry the horseman of war uh that's right it. that's the end of the issue <laughs> well <laughs> we'll get more when we come back <laughs> anyway so in that segment of the story in our chapter now uh, what was your guys' favorite art that you saw? Mine was honestly, yeah, on the damn clown. <laughs> yeah, mine was mine was probably uh, man. I'm such a, I, I love Cable and I love all the ridiculous, like just like the last issue, man. Like it's <laughs> I love the ridiculousness, um, especially in this series of whenever like they show Cable just being him and his crazy '90s glory and absolutely insane <laughs> guns and then this is just like a complete twist on it like you know what hey let's just nix all the crazy fun guns that cable's pretty much known for and just combine him with the guns let's do that <laughs> it's just it's the coloration of it was beautiful the white the black the red like just the whole thing cable's face being fine but like you know his eye going crazy the techno organic thing is just pretty much taken over it's it's super dope <laughs> I would have to say mine is uh, actually just the, the the setting setting shot of when Deadpool sort of finds himself in an age of apocalypse. Because you can tell it's definitely, he's, right. he's in New York City, but there is no building that is intact. They're all just like half buildings right. run down, rubble everywhere. There's one, and where the Statue of Liberty once was, now it's the this giant apocalypse right. standing yeah. up you looking down. But also there's like random Egyptian obelisks yeah. <laughs> that are clearly taller than any of the buildings used to be filled with hieroglyphics like just a really cool uh, scene setting shot and <laughs> and to, to give you the scope of what Deadpool's looking at they even in his in the narration they have like the, the narration bubbles point to this little spot right here that is Deadpool standing on one of the buildings looking around going, holy fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that was probably my favorite. Um, 
All right. What about your favorite part of the story? What did you? What did you? What, what, what See, part of this did playing you playing like on uh, on Verano's uh, favorite part of the art? My favorite part of the story was Deadpool killing all the clowns. <laughs> because with the cover art going into what you're seeing, him amongst this, like, you know, like you said, the sea of dead clowns, and then going into that, I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, this is okay. He's going to be killing a lot of clowns here. It's a little like, you know, where's that? It's like a little left field. Like, you're not expecting that to happen during this whole, like, you know, story arc. We're like, okay, where's that coming from? But I'm sure it ties in somehow. And then you find out that it's just in his mind. And then that's what he's thinking about when he's in like a deep stasis of sleep. I'm like, that's, that's incredible. It's hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Verano thinks about that all the time too. <laughs> I do until it's like the clown it. And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to just cry Anybody and run away like any other like person. Tim Curry is nightmare fuel. Exactly. I'm going to try and put up no a fight like Deadpool. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to go down. I'm going to throw you a smoke bomb and I'm bursting. Um, no, mine is actually close to that. It's, um, I like it when he's like in the actual tube. It's just right. like, you're my right. daughter. You can't talk back to me. It's funny because it's just how delusional he is and just him throwing a line. But I liked the art of it and just that little part made me laugh because I'm like, I was like, that that's the most random ass comment who talks their blood and says shut up. Because <laughs> yeah, it seems a very classic cable thing. Uh, uh very classic. Yeah, I do that every do. time I wake up yeah. and it's still too cold for me to go to the bathroom. So I just kind of lay in my bed saying, shut up, bladder, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One yeah. more hour, I swear. <laughs> one more yeah. hour. One more hour. <laughs> and it's like your bladder is just like, no, it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> gotta listen <laughs> going yeah um what about yeah, you i have to go on the opposite side of the issue um i'm i, I guess you could tell by how i really really bitched about that one storyline that that just changed everything from the age of apocalypse i've always been a huge age of apocalypse mark like i have the entire run i have the 10 year mm. anniversary special um in my collection and stuff like that. I, I'm a huge age of apocalypse fan. So seeing something that sort of referenced it, but made clear that it wasn't a part of it uh, was pretty cool to me. I, I, I liked, uh, I liked the fight. And like, and like we said, like the idea of blob being famine, just because yeah, that's great. <laughs> that was just perfect. That was like, nice. My, yeah. He's big and, fat. We know he won't move. <laughs> <laughs> And like the idea of being pestilence because he's totally given into his spider side, and that's why he's basically right. like a human spider. Yeah, yeah, nice. So like, yeah, seeing that part like, just reminded me of like the original Spider-Man movie, and uh, you know, Macho Man going out, like you know, changing his name from Man Spider to <laughs> Spider-Man. Like you know, like, you got three minutes with you. <laughs> oh, greatness. <laughs> Who was your MVP this time? Who'd you ask? Who was your MVP this time? Between the two of you, which I don't know. I would have to say, I I like the X Force. Uh, I would say my my MVPs were probably. Um, I would say Siren. I've always really liked the relationship that she has with Deadpool. If you, I have a few uh, Deadpool classics where. 
Um, it's him and Siren, and she's always had this real soft spot when everybody else kind of viewed him with contempt. Mm. So uh, I really like Siren's compassion mm. for Deadpool in general. And it's it's here where she's like, everyone else is kind of like, oh, he's so annoying. And she's like, eh, mm. he is who he is. I kind of like Siren. And of uh, course, Cannonball. Goddamn Cannonball. Uh, and you, Minnie? You know what? I think I'm just going to default to Deadpool on this one. <laughs> yeah. He was I mean, yeah, just intrinsically Deadpool. You know, I mean, it's, he can't not be good. And I think he just, he, you know, above all the characters in this in this one, I, I just have to say Deadpool is just uh, he 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 get the uh, the badge yet again. I'm gonna have to agree. I'm going with Deadpool as well. Just he's. Same classic, just yeah. Deadpool being himself, coming up with random. I, mean, I would have gone Sam Guthrie, yeah. but you know that's only because my own like out, you know, out of text, you know, metaphorical hard on for Cannonball. <laughs> but <laughs> I still like referring to him yeah, as Cannonball, that's... <laughs> like, right. Does that. <laughs> oh man! All right, and who's the shit character of this? Um. I'm going Mr. Stellar uh, yeah. Rod again. <laughs> well, I thought we all loved him. He was such a shit. Oh, wait. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I can, I can, I can see that. I honestly, though, I'm gonna have to go with Ford. Yeah. What the fuck was he? You know, I'll back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he on him for that. The only person who did anything less than him was like. Irene Merriweather, right. and that was because she called him in. But like, he didn't explain anything to anybody. He, there's no real science to what he was doing, so it's just basically relying on his power as a technopath. And it was just like, well, fuck it. They could have, they could have done that with so many characters that they already had here. They could have just been like nameless. Right. <laughs> I did this to you. Yeah, there. there's more trust in Forge because you know his shit works, even if he doesn't fully understand what he did. Yeah. But like he 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 didn't like it was it was a it was a fucked it, it just wasn't a huge cameo it was like three seconds yeah. of why the fuck and, are you, you know I don't want to I don't want to beat a dead what? horse so I wouldn't want to go Irene again for the second time in a row but I can like I can back both of you guys as like you know choices <laughs> on Forge and uh yeah you know but um it's the thing is like with Forge I'll give him just that because his dialogue was just great with the interspatial and the intraspatial <laughs> like it just that that tickled me so <laughs> you know. So I'd, I'd have to back up um, Verano and say uh, Presser John was probably my uh, least favorite in this one. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but he's still a lot of fun, man. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a yeah, stellar yeah. It, it is a lot of fun. Depending <laughs> on be a lot of fun for everyone, yeah. man. You just got to be open to With it. That blue. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, we uh, we don't have much to set up with this skit. We're just gonna kind of get into it. But uh, you know, now that we're done with our switching gears into the DIY skit, I uh, I gotta say thank you guys for coming over. Uh, I needed to get your opinion on something that I made in honor of Martin. Yeah, man. No problem. Uh, What you got? Well, it's over here in the garage. 
What the fuck is that? Well, that's what I wanted you to see. What do you think? Dude, are you really planning on driving this in town with the giant replica of Dr. King's head on your car? Or were you planning on entering this monstrosity in a parade somewhere? God willing that there is no parade, please say no. I like to advise against both because this is a the definition of vehicular <laughs> you know, blackness. I, I'm gonna have to agree with Verano. What the hell were you thinking? I mean, his birthday's coming up. I wanted to honor Truthfully, his accomplishment. This is somewhat on par with the government's efforts to honor the man. True. You know the bill to make his head to make his birthday a holiday was submitted shortly after he was killed. And for over a decade, the bill consistently died in the Congressional Committee. Stevie Wonder wrote his happy birthday song about celebrating Dr. King. Come to think of it, maybe you should have written a song to honor the man instead of wasting your hours on whatever it is she really did to your car. The song helped with the effort, you know, to get the momentum lobbying Congress for the bill to pass. Finally, in 1983, the bill passed with a strong majority and was sent to President Reagan to sign. Nine, wait, 1983? Didn't he die in 1968? Oh, yep. 15 fucking years for the federal government to officially honor the man. Before that, they had mostly spent their time relentlessly investigating him and attempting to disrupt his personal life to... Uh, negatively impact his professional efforts. Oh, yeah. I heard about those kind of creepy. tapes. I don't really care about one guy's infidelity when you stop to realize federal tax revenue was put toward investigating that one guy's fuck habits because he had a valid point about systemic inequality and was seeing success in getting some real changes made. All right, look, huh? Dr. King was not the singular leader of a massive flashpoint movement focused in the 1960s. He was one of many people leading the fight toward a more equitable system that is still going on today, 53 years after his death. Just because the Civil Rights Act was passed in 64 and the Voting Rights Act in 65 and the Fair Housing Act in 68 doesn't mean that things became perfect. Systematic problems have to be addressed and confronted. Simply, legislation will not fix that damn problem. Yeah, but will it fix the problem if the news media capital capitalizes <laughs> the word black in print publications and some corporations change their packaging to sell the same products with less racist mascots? No, no. It's a systemic problem, which takes a systemic solution. The problem is in our mindset, so it's going to take a lot more than a little small steps to make things a lot better. True, but I think the first thing we could do to honor Dr. King's memory is dismantle the affront to his existence that you have built on your car. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the best way to honor Dr. King is to destroy my Dr. Uh, King on my car. Well... I wouldn't put it in that way. Too late. Already. Next time on Deadpool It Yourself, replacing a windshield that's been hit uh, by an idiot's sledgehammer. 
Seriously, dude. 